God sends forth judgment unto victory. Victory is always a product of judgment. Victory is superior to defeat as love is superior to hate, and eternal life is superior to eternal damnation. A wise believer runs to the judgment of God and not away from it. As in the commandments, inherit within the judgment of God's word is a blessing or a curse. Embrace God's perfect judgment in your life, turn from your error, and reap the eternal benefits of doing the right thing. Reject the judgment, continue on in error, and reap the curse of doing the wrong thing. It's just that childlike simple. When it comes to the judgments of God's word, don't judge me is the wrong response. Here's an example of how God's judgment works. Just prior to initial salvation where a soul is set free, which is glorious victory, the judgment of God is required. It comes first. At the place called born again, the Holy Ghost convicts one of sin. Judgment begins. Here the sinner repents of his sins, believing on the saving blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on Calvary for the remission of his sin and shame, and the brand new life of born-again victory begins. In all issues of victory, whether over gossip, lust, or any other bondage, judgment comes first. Have you been born again, born a literal second time, this time of the Spirit of God? Will today be the day of your conversion, where you accept the judgment of God and turn from your sin unto Christ? Your eternal victory will begin today. Of Christ, Matthew twelve twenty reads, A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory. Click on the further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Genesis 1.31, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. God said, 1 Samuel 17.4-8, And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. And he had an helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was five thousand shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs, and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighed six hundred shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel, and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine, and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. God said, Psalms 33, verse 3, Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. Man said, Don't judge me. If there is a God, I'll take my chances. Until then, I'll pursue my pleasures. Now the record. I need to know that Genesis 1, verse 1, and all that follows is the inerrant truth, because I need to know John eleven twenty five and 26 is true. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? This is God proof 181 to 185 that again will certify the full supernatural authorship and inerrancy of God's majority text Holy Bible. All Satan's loopholes have been closed. Are you ready to pay the price of redemption? God proof 181, Genesis 1 verse 31, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. At God said, man said, it is known as the 180 principle. A circle has 360 degrees, and at the 180 degree mark, you are at exact opposites. For example, God is light. Satan is darkness. God is love. Satan is hate. God is purpose. Satan is no purpose. God is life. Satan is death. Watch the 180 principle play out in the following excerpts from God Said, Man Said, 21 Signs of Doomsday, Another Way, Part 1. In every arena, man offers an alternative to God's way, another way. In academia, their chief god is the god of evolution. Evolution is pseudosciences another way. Imagine when you arrive at their museums or halls of higher learning, you are typically greeted by a dinosaur, a dragon, Satan's ensign. How stark is the difference? When you arrive at the house of faith, you are greeted by the cross of forgiveness and salvation, the ensign of Jesus Christ. Some would think the dragon and the cross are a mere coincidence, but consider this paragraph from Science News in the February 17, 2018 issue under the heading, Life Had a Chance in Earth's Infancy. Earth's earliest eon, the Hadean, spans the period from about 4.6 billion years ago when the planet was born to 4 billion years ago. The name for the Greek god of the underworld reflects the original conception of the age, dark and hellish and inhospitable to life. But little direct evidence of Hadean asteroid impacts exists, limiting scientists' understanding of how those collisions affected the planet's habitability, end of quote. God's word repeatedly states, and God saw that it was good during the six 24 hours of creation, culminating in Genesis 1.31, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. But fallen man seeks another way. Instead of the very good and beautiful creation of God, evolutionists offer the Hadean eon from the common root Hades or hell. Satan hides in plain sight, but only the born again have eyes to see. This earth is just over 6,000 years old, and of course we can prove it. End of quote. God proof number 182. 1 Samuel chapter 17, 4 through 8. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. And he had an helmet of brass upon his head. And he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was five thousand shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs, and a target of brass between his shoulders. 
and the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed six hundred shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel, and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine, and ye servants the saw? Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. Approximately 3,000 years ago, a young lad named David slew a nearly 10-foot-tall giant named Goliath. As you should expect, the skeptics totally discredit this scriptural account. Now a pottery discovery in Gath, the hometown of the Bible's Goliath, has raised some eyebrows. The following paragraph is from Biblical Archaeology Review in the month of March, April 2006. Two names scratched onto a small shirt of pottery are all that appear in the oldest Philistine inscription ever found. Though the names are Philistine, the one on the right may be the equivalent of Goliath. The letters themselves are Semitic, thus demonstrating that the Philistines, a seafaring people from the Aegean, absorbed aspects of Semitic culture once they settled on the coast of the modern Israel, end of quote. In a September 2016 news release published by CBN News, you'll find the following. Archaeologists believe they have found the ancient city where David battled Goliath. They found the 3,000-year-old city in Israel's Elah Valley between the biblical cities of Soko and Azekah on the border between Philistia and Judah, according to the Jewish News Service. The site referenced in 1 Samuel 17, 1 and 2 is known by its modern name, Kerbet Koifa. It has undergone seven years of excavations, and now the public can study what archaeologists unearthed in a new Bible Lands Museum exhibition titled In the Valley of David and Goliath. It opened in Jerusalem earlier this month. Around 28 charred olive pits discovered during excavations underwent carbon-14 dating, the information showed the city existed in the time of Saul and David from the end of the 11th century B.C. to the early 10th century. Professor Joseph Garfinkel, the Yugal Yadin Chair of Archaeology and the Institute of Archaeology at Hebrew University of Jerusalem, led the excavations along with Sarah Gaynar from the Israel Antiquities Authority and Professor Michael Hazel of Southern Adventist University of Tennessee. Archaeologists discovered at the site the city's two gates, a western one which faced Philistia and a southern one which faced Judah. The gates prompted excavators to connect the site with the biblical city of Shearim, which is Hebrew for two gates. The story of David and Goliath mentions that city in 1 Samuel 17.52, which reads, And the wounded of the Philistines fell down along the road to Shearim, even as far as Gath and Ekron. The city is also referenced in Joshua 15.36 and 1 Chronicles 4, verse 31, end of quote. The accuracy of the scriptures is continually challenged, but never bested, never. God's word is the place to build a life that will last forever. Yes, giants, even as the word of God so accurately reports, the most famous of the giants, 10 feet tall Goliath, the Gittite, a Philistine from Gath. In rabbinical literature, additional information concerning Goliath is recorded. The following excerpts are published at jewishencyclopedia.com. 
Goliath was of ignoble birth. His mother is said to have been Orpha, who, after making a pretense of accompanying Ruth, her mother-in-law, and walking with her forty paces, had left her and had led a very profligate life, so that Goliath, her son, was of uncertain paternity. She bore besides Goliath three other giants. In defying Israel, Goliath boasted of having slain the two sons of Eli, capturing the holy ark and bringing it to the house of Dagon, where it stayed seven months, and of having led the van of the Philistines in every war, war, scattering the enemy before him like dust. End of quote. It is interesting to note that Goliath is said to be one of four giants born to Orpha, a daughter-in-law to the Naomi of the Bible. Their story is recorded in the book of Ruth in the Old Testament. Ruth was sister-in-law to Orpha and also daughter-in-law to Naomi. Both Orpha and Ruth were Moabites. According to rabbinical literature, Orpha, daughter-in-law to Naomi and sister-in-law to Ruth, was the mother of Goliath. Orpha's husband, Naomi's son, died. Orpha left her mother-in-law to return unto her own people. Orpha's sister-in-law, Ruth, was also married to a son of Naomi who died, but she decided to return with her mother-in-law to Israel, where she married Boaz. Ruth then gives birth to Obed, who is the father of Jesse, who is the father of David, making David the great-grandson of Ruth. Goliath of Gath? Absolutely. God-proof 183. Job 41.18, By his knee sings, a light doth shine, and his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. The terrifying sea-going Leviathan is described in Job 41 as a massive, fierce creature, out of whose mouth goeth flames of fire, and his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Several paragraphs follow from Derek Isaac's book, Dragons or Dinosaurs, to, that explain excuse me, this phenomenon. The glowing eyes may seem at first glance like mythological sensationalism. However, it accurately proves to be uh, lacking any real suspense and ends up being quite uh, anticlimactic. For the vast majority of us, the headlamps of our automobiles have made us acutely aware that some creatures will show a high degree of reflection in their eyes. For the record, the eyes of these animals are not glow-in-the-dark eyes. They simply reflect what light is available. Some animals have this reflective quality because of a special layer of tissue in the eye called the tapetum lucidum, which is behind the retina. Its design is meant to reflect light back into the eye to improve sight in low-light conditions. These animals have natural night vision goggles, so to speak. This process creates the illusion of glowing eyes. Like other animals, dinosaurs could have reflected a uniform color, like the yellow of the lion, the green of the small canines in Africa, or the white of the zebra. Thus the dragon, with its glowing eyes, perhaps red or orange, would give the illusion of fiery, glowing eyes and would look horrifically devastating. Panic would no doubt ensue. Isaac sets up a campfire scenario and then continues. However, the light from the fire would absolutely project into the trees for quite some distance, even though it would not provide meaningful light for the sight of the people. With that said, though, the natural reflective qualities of the reptilian eyes would light up. The result would be, in the case of a Tyrannosaurus rex, 
two huge glowing orbs, possibly 15 to 20 feet off the ground, staring at you, hunting you. The glowing eyes of the dragons are easy to explain, yet they would be chilling to see, end of quotes. And there you have it, eyelids of the morning. God Proof 184, Psalms 33, verses 1 through 3. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto him with the psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud voice. There is no song like the song of a soul set free. The world cannot sing the song of the redeemed. We, the Bible says, literally sing a new song. The Bible teaches that music is a spiritual medium having the ability to change mood. Spirits are affected by music, whether the spirit of man, of angels, or devils. Songs of praise to God have the power of mood-changing life in them because God inhabits the praise of his people, Psalms 22.3, and where the spirit of God and his light dwells, the spirit of darkness and its dark moods must flee. Note 1 Samuel 16.23. And it came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul that David took an harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. The new song of the Lord has the power to alter spiritual condition. Also note that evil music has the opposite effect. For example, carnal music concerts, especially those directed toward the 15- to 30-year-old age group, have major security concerns. Police are brought in to attempt to control the violence, alcohol, and illicit drugs. At a gospel concert, you'll typically need police only to help direct traffic. Two different musics, two different spirits, two different moods, two different gods— one big G-O-D and one little G-O-D. So music directly affects moods, and science now confirms it. Energy Times magazine cited research published in two medical journals concerning mood. The journal stated that people undergoing cardiac procedures enjoy improved mood and see drops in blood pressure and respiratory rates after listening to music. Also, neophyte music makers have shown improved immune responses. The list of the benefits of God's music is long indeed. The power of music is created by God and all creation responds to it. Put music therapy to work in your vehicle and home. Bless yourself and your home by playing and singing along with godly music. Your spirit and your flesh will respond favorably. The born again sing a new song indeed, a song the world cannot sing. God Proof 185, Psalms 69, 19 through 21. Thou hast known my reproach and my shame and my dishonor. My adversaries are all before thee. Reproach hath broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness, and I looked for some to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Jesus Christ was the physical lineage of King David, and it was David who prophesied in the above verses of Christ approximately 1,000 years before the crucifixion of the King of Glory. 
Christ fulfills this prophecy on Golgotha's hill, Matthew chapter 27, 33 through 35. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, they parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. Students of the Bible have cataloged over 300 Old Testament prophecies of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Many have already been fulfilled, and more are rolling out before our eyes. The birth of Jesus Christ was the world's most predicted and awaited arrival of all time. And his soon second coming, prophesied a myriad of times in the Old and New Testaments, will only be rivaled by his first. Prepare for your meeting with the King of Glory. God's word is true and righteous altogether, surely a place to build a life that will last forever. God said, Genesis 1.31, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. God said, First Samuel seventeen four through 8, And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. And he had an helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was five thousand shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs, and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam." And his spear's head weighed six hundred shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel, and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine, and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. God said, Psalms 33, verse 3, Sing unto him a new song, play skillfully with a loud noise. Man said, Don't judge me. If there is a God, I'll take my chances. Until then, I'll pursue my pleasures. Now you have the record.